Life Audio. Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth. Because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and most of us know that we are called to love and to love like Jesus. But that's challenging to do in the best situations. It's exponentially challenging in regard to those who are more difficult to love, those who maybe are a little rough around the edges, who become offended by ordinary conversations, who maybe come from a place of trauma and display a great deal of defensiveness. And boy, can this command to love trigger a great deal of fear. So often we're afraid of how we might react in tense situations. We're afraid our interactions with the person might bring out the worst in us. We can have so many fears tied up in this enough to make us want to kind of hide out in our bedroom or in our nice, safe church pew indefinitely. But before you do that, I want to encourage you to listen to my discussion with guest Matt Massiera, executive director of Be Bold Street Ministries based in Salem, Oregon. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here with you this morning. Matt is a living example of the power of the gospel, of transformed living. So God transformed him from a dope dealer to a hope dealer. He was born into a household surrounded by crime, and he was drinking and using methamphetamine and engaging in violent behavior by age 11. But God transformed his life and ignited within him a passion to help others living that same lifestyle, following that same self-destructive path that he once had. And so after 27 years of addiction, Matt received God's call to share with all people, those society often overlooks and avoids, especially the good news of a savior who makes his people whole. And Be Bold Street Ministries was born. Today, he's going to share some of the things he's learned reaching out to those who maybe tend to challenge our patience, our confidence, and our inner peace. And Matt, I imagine God did a great deal in your heart and soul in those early days of your ministry and that you wrestled with insecurity on occasion. Were you ever afraid that the ugly behavior demonstrated by others would kind of trigger the ugliness within you? Yeah, that's a That's a great question. So it, it in that there was so many times, cause I've had situations where I was out on the streets. I've been stuck twice with hypodermic needles and in the midst of those moments, like, so there was a drug dealer that didn't want me reaching out to his customers. Right. Because if God through his son does heart surgery and transforms a heart rather than behavior modification, then he loses a customer, right? That that's the hope because God then is going to sanctify that individual. He's going to grow and strengthen him. He's going to accomplish the work he starts in him. And so he paid a guy to come over and stick a hypodermic needle that was used in his hand and then shake my hand and shove it into the palm of my hand. And so in those moments I'm sitting there and I look at him. I remember looking at this guy and his name was Justin. I was like, wow, are you serious? And then he took off running 
And um, he had somebody two weeks later do the same thing. So I go through that whole process of going in, they get the antivirals and I'm like, well, I don't have the money to pay $1,700. So I got to trust the Lord completely. And it's not that I got to, I get to with those details, Lord, you've seen this from the moment that, you know, when I was unformed substance, you've seen this moment and I trust you with the details. And in those moments, what took place was I said, God, please allow me to come into contact with that man again. And so about four weeks after that, I was going into the union gospel mission here and that individual was coming out and I looked at him. I was like, how are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm doing better. He's like, I was like, and I said, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior? And he's like, well, you know, I grew up in a Mormon home and I was like, well, let's talk about that. And he's like, I said, you weren't doing so well when we met the first time. He's like, I'm so sorry. And I said, you know, here's the thing. I know what God's forgiven me for. And, and don't, don't you lay that at his feet. Let's talk about what it takes to be able to come to the throne room of grace and we walked through the gospel and he ended up accept, accepting Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior by elite belief on the free gift of salvation. But old Matt, unsaved Matt Masera, if that happens to me, I'm hurting that individual. And he's going to remember the day it happened because I'm, I'm going to honestly, you know, it can only be transparent. I'm going to disfigure him. I'm going to hurt him so bad. And he will never forget the day that he stuck me with a hypodermic needle. But because of what God did in my own heart, hate and anger was not a part of any of those moments. My whole focus from that point forward and from before that point was to see him reconciled to the father and same with this drug dealer. Wow. So what role did prayer play just in your progression? You said from old Max, I think we would love it if we just, Mm -hmm. and for some people, maybe this is the case. It wasn't with me and it still isn't with me. I think we would love it if we, we surrender our life to Jesus and then we're transformed in a minute. And then suddenly we are just this perfect, peaceful, loving Christian. And I know that wasn't my journey. And and I I imagine, and and maybe it was your journey, but I imagine it wasn't. So what role did prayer play? Prayer is a huge part. It's constant. It's every single day. It's all day long. It really is praying without ceasing. So throughout every moment of every single day, driving down the road, whether I'm praying internally, but for me, it helps when I speak. So, you know, I'm sure people are looking at me going, man, that guy doesn't have like a headphone earpiece in his, and he's having a full on conversation and there's nobody else in the vehicle, but it's never closing off communication um, with the God of all creation. And so prayer is constant and we have a just uh, the prayer team that we have behind us goes across the nation and globally constantly praying for us because we are willingly walking into darkness to see people drawn out of that darkness through faith in Jesus Christ and transferred to God's son's beloved, his beloved son's kingdom of light. Yeah, because the prayers that we know, the prayers of the righteous can accomplish much. And that's the desire of our hearts is that through the prayers of the righteous. God would accomplish much all for his glory and his kingdom. So when God drew me up and out of the drug world and, and I was saved when he did that the second time, because I came to know him, you know, over 17 years ago and then decided it would be a good idea to go back. And and I thought I needed 14,000 more needles full of methamphetamines on top of all sorts of other mind altering substances while being saved. So when God drew me out of that, part of my life completely. I'm every single day I'm going, God, I need you to cause my mind to function the way you always intended it 
to because my go-to based off from the life that I lived as a kid and what I was exposed to through my dad, who was a gang leader in the Latin Kings, um, was extreme violence. That's how you fix problems is by being violent. And that became just as much of an addiction for me as all the mind altering substances did. So prayer is so critically important and it's having everybody, everybody I come into contact with, please keep praying for us. I do. Please don't stop praying for us because with what the Lord has us doing here nationally and then globally, we should expect pushback from the enemy, but it's really God that got me to that place again. So everything good comes from him. And to not have that violent response was all glory to God. And that's another huge prayer uh, as we're out engaging a lost and dying world. God, give me the ability to take every thought captive to the obedience of your son, Jesus Christ. So even if and when the thought comes, because there's nobody that's an exception to all of a sudden going, where did that come from? Hey friend, I'm Brooke McLaughlin, host of the Everyday Prayers Podcast, a ministry of million praying moms. And I'm here to invite you to partner with God for the hearts of your children on the daily. Our goal at Everyday Prayers is to help moms understand and pray God's word. Join us each weekday as we share insights from God's word for today's Christian mom. Tune in to the Everyday Prayers Podcast in your favorite app or by visiting lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. A lot of times when I know I'm coming into a situation that I know I'm going to feel challenged in, Mm. I am pretty good at praying ahead and and feeling God's presence. Mm -hmm. When I first enter the conversation, a lot of times though, I, my pride rises up and, and my sin rises up in the conversation. And I'm not always so good at hitting pause during those times and pulling away. And that's, I know that's something I want to get better at is recognizing when I'm feeling like the sin, you know, when I feel like I'm about to act in sin or I'm, I'm about to give into anger or pride, I want to get better at thinking ahead. Okay. That's probably going to happen. And so I need, I will need to hit pause in the middle of, of this encounter. And then just making that a habit. I think sometimes it's a habit, right? Because we are, are, we're so accustomed to living in our old ways and, Mm -hmm. and running our own lives. I think it takes just that practice. You said of praying continually. And I, I think sometimes too, we think that that praying continually means we have to hit pause and pray for this really long length of time, but you're probably just talking about just these momentary connections with God as you go along. I'm imagining. Yes, absolutely. And it's all day long. So when the Lord puts something on my heart or in the midst of a moment, say we're heading to a situation, whatever it looks like, taking a moment and stopping, whether it be in the grocery store, you know, if you're driving, I mean, I always uh, advise people to keep their eyes open. Um, but as we're walking down the street, if, if we see a situation, okay, 
we, we need to pray about this and then, and then let's head over because we want to seek God. And you see that throughout scripture, Old Testament, New. We want to seek him before, during, and after, and through, and for all things. And so, and the results of that are so clear, you know, bring all of our prayers, our supplications, our petitions, our requests to his feet, and the peace of God, you know, and while giving thanks, we'll guard our hearts and minds. So constantly praying, even if it's, Lord, you know the details of what I'm getting ready to go into because we do work with a lot of folks, unsheltered and sheltered alike, that are battling with some serious things. And we might not have all the details going into it, but God sees them all and knows them all. And we trust him and we want to go with wisdom. So asking him, God, you know, all the details, give us discernment, wisdom and understanding as we head into this. Mm-hmm. When, when my husband and I were taking, we took classes for, to do foster care and mm-hmm. they taught us just certain ways to recognize when I, I would call it when we're being triggered. So when we, we could easily respond in fear or usually I think it's fear is, is often underlying our reactions, but so they encouraged us to be alert to what was going on physically. And Mm. so like, for example, if we sensed that our temperature was rising, if we sensed that our muscles were beginning to tight, if our pulse started to increase. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of those physical responses, I think that did a couple of things. It helps create emotional distance because it shifts your thoughts off Mm. of whatever is potentially you're reacting to. And then it, so it brings it to kind of that rational center of your brain. But I think it goes back to that practicing as well, because sometimes I think in our society, we're so good at disconnecting from what we feel. And so I think it helps us to be more alert to what's going on with us internally as well. And again, develops that, that practice. Cause I think a lot of us will have, and I know a lot of the listeners, they a lot of them come from traumatic, traumatic backgrounds. And so they're mm-hmm. going to have trauma response yeah. probably as God is healing them and growing them. And so that can be, a, I think a, a good way for like, I was just talking to someone a few days ago who had a trauma response while I was speaking with the individual. I have no idea why. Mm-hmm. And, and, but I could watch it going on And this individual had been walking enough with kind of processing that she was able to pause and say, wow, I don't know what just happened there, but, and then to unpack it. So I think that can be really helpful too, as we're dealing with people that might, whose rough edges might rub against our rough edges. And I I wonder too, did you ever, do you ever view your encounters as, as something of a learning experience, like not only learning for how to reach the person, but learning how to grow in Christ. Absolutely. And I see that too, even in James, when it talks about what God created us for, that he's perfecting our faith in those moments of walking confidently, courageously, and boldly by the indwelling of his spirit into the, what he created us for in Ephesians 2.10, the good works he created us for. Um, so absolutely going into, you know, and, and, and having, it's always, there's, it, Things are never exactly the same. Um, and there is so many different trauma responses for folks. And you can see it as, as you were just explaining. There's a physical response. And you can see it in the individual, whatever may be going on. And that's 
get to do as well is we get to come in and de-escalate situations and and you know our whole focus is the lord his word heart transformation but yes absolutely being able to and then being able to from those situations and engagements glean everything we can from it for you know the continued outreaches as as we engage the world with the gospel mm-hmm. and for me too that helps take away, I think, my fear and feelings of self-condemnation. So what I mean with that is, let's say if I'm reaching out to a particular individual and I've interacted with them enough to know that they might trigger certain things in me, or, or maybe I can think of a past interaction when I didn't respond very well. And my first reaction from like, just my human sense is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to not interact with that person again, because I'm going to behave that way again. And so I would prefer to kind of wall myself off, right? And self-protect. Mm. But if I can shift my thinking and say, okay, I am going to use that experience as a learning experience. Again, somehow it it removes that emotional, it, it kind of distances me emotionally. And I don't mean that in a negative way, but but it it helps me view the situation from a more logical level. And I was thinking about it the other day, So like I've said, we've had numerous people from hard places in our home and I can look back to the first foster care we brought in foster care child we brought in. Oh my goodness. I feel like I, I stunk. Like, I feel like I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to respond. And a lot of times I responded poorly. And again, my first reaction was to just, okay, I can't do this. I, I, so I'm not going to do it because I stink at it, but God just kept moving me forward. And, and interaction after interaction, I'm at a much more mature spiritually and and emotionally place than I was when we first opened our home. And I think a huge process was just my, my loving imperfectly. And when I love imperfectly, God showing me the whys, like what was really going on with my reactions and, and gently encouraging me to just keep trying. Yeah, which is amazing, too, because we all have those moments where it's like, and that's what I love about the word of God, too, because I think about that, you know, in our responses, because he's given us everything pertaining to life and godliness, every spiritual blessing, you know, for every response, decision, choice, reaction, thought, everything down to the movements of our muscle fibers to be able to glorify him. And in those moments, I think there's there's so much, uh, really, it's just beautiful when it's on display in those moments of going, man, I didn't necessarily go, I didn't approach that well, my delivery, I did not do well. And then being able to go back to the individual and go, hey, I got to talk to you. The Lord has really laid this on my heart. It was really obvious to me after I left are the moments that we got to share together. And I just need to apologize for how I delivered that message. We would have had the same conversation, but I know that it didn't come off in a way that, you know, uh, was loving, you know, um, and, and being able to do that in those moments and then watch the response from whoever it may be and have them go, well, I'm not used to people apologize, you know, apologizing to me because that's not really a thing for the world. Apology isn't really a thing because then you got to put pride aside and that's not, you know, there wasn't much that I apologized for prior to Christ. Uh, matter of fact, it was, there was very little things that I did apologize for. Um, and, and that was just part of the world that I lived in because you don't apologize because then that's a sign of weakness and then you would become a target. Absolutely. And, and like you said, I think it, it 
demonstrates well the power of the gospel and and a a living a living grace I, I remember when my daughter was young and her doctor said something to me I, I tried so hard to always be loving and kind and and never show my emotions and he basically said something to the effect like she needs to see that you can mess up like she needs to see you know living mm-hmm. in grace if if yeah. if uh if we always tr- I mean we want to do the best we can obviously but it is important for people to see this is what walking with Jesus looks like. It looks like I still need him, but I still have him. And yes. so I don't have to stay stuck in, in shame or guilt from this behavior, this reaction. Instead, I can, like you said, apologize. I can confess it. And I can walk forward in grace. And I think that's a powerful example of just to someone who is used to being cast aside when they mess up. I think sometimes when they see how we mess up, it, I think it creates just a sense of, of safety for them that they can start to move forward. And I would actually even suggest through those interactions, even though we don't like them, it actually helps to build trust because again in the world we're used to when we mess up we pull away often out of self-protection and relationships combust but in grace we pursue we repent we rebuild and i think that develops just this this trust where then they can and then some of their defense mechanisms will come down Absolutely, because so much in the world, and we can even see it within the body, right, where, um, you know, an individual will put on this air of perfection, which is unattainable, because in every one of us is flaws, no, no matter what, you know, how long somebody's been saved, no matter what their title is, no matter what their position is, we've all got stuff. It's just a matter of what it looks like for each one of us. And I think it's such a great disservice. I say this very confidently to the body of Christ when the air of perfection is on display rather than, hey, like I am flawed. And, and because ultimately most of the New Testament doesn't get written if believers can't get selfish. Right. And that's what I love about having a great high priest who sympathizes with all of our weaknesses, was tempted in every way, yet never succumbed to the temptation. And because he was tempted in every way that we are, whatever that looks like for any one of us, fear, you know, response, anything, we can come confidently to his throne room and find mercy and help in time of need. And what I love about that scripture is I love introducing myself to people as, hi, my name's Matt, I'm weak and I'm needy. Because in his weakness, our strength is perfected. And my neediness is because I need him every second, every moment of every single day, because I'm under no self-induced delusions of who I am when I'm in control of my life. And to be able to share that with others and come alongside and see God utilize all the wreckage that I was exposed to as a kid and then everything I put myself through, which has a name, it's called sin. And to really genuinely walk side by side with people and see those barriers and those walls come down as you are open and transparent, you know, and just go, man, I'm flawed. (laughs) 
Hello, I'm Carol McCracken, and I'd like to invite you to join me and our team on the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. This podcast examines one verse each day to learn more about God and His will for us. I'm excited to tell you about the new series the host team will share with you during this season of Lent. Each episode will be a journey to the cross. We will follow Jesus through some of his most significant steps in the Gospels, focusing on a particular verse as we always do. It'll be a progressive series. Join us daily as we follow Jesus doing what he was born to do to save us all. You can find us on Life Audio or whatever you listen to podcast content on. Yeah, and I think too, sometimes we can become so surrounded by other Christians. We're so accustomed to people having the nice, polite responses, people viewing the world the way that we do. And so then when we go out and we try to reach out, whether it's in our city to urban areas or, you know, to foster care or to maybe, maybe teens, troubled teens, we can bring the expectation we, we can expect them to act like they're mm-hmm. like they belong to Jesus. Even if we don't recognize we're doing it, it's just because we're so removed sometimes from our, from who we used to be. And maybe we've never, like you've experienced, you come from a rough place. And so you understand triggers and you understand barriers and walls. And I think it can be more challenging for those who may, we, I mean, we all sin, right? We're all sinners before Jesus, uh, before we mm. trusted in salvation, but there are some sins that we might think are, are acceptable, right. Or that will feel less mm. scandalous. And so it can be challenging to understand someone's behavior who come from an entirely different world. And I think we have to really routinely ask God to help us see their heart mm. Because I know usually when I, it's every single time I will, if I react a certain way, every single time I've misjudged the situation in the person. And when mm. I unpack it, I'll usually try to talk to the individual and say like, this is how I felt. This is kind of what went on. This is my perception. Every single time my perception was so wrong and it came from hurt and fear in the other person. Whereas I took it as disrespect or anger or rejection you know, of me. And I want to get better at, this is the other thing that I really struggle with. I will sense God's go, like kind of like he'll he'll tell me, like, I want you to do this, but Mm -hmm. I run before I get the how Mm -hmm. I I misread the situation. And then I inevitably cause, cause pain from it. Yeah. Our responses absolutely can do that because I've had the same situation, especially when I was coming out of it. Um, You know, it working with working with folks that are coming from a variety of situations i ended up having a conversation with this one guy and it was like a it was a firm and loving and truthful situation um of communication and it was after he thought it would be a good idea to chamber around and pull the trigger pointed at my foot he's really intoxicated and um you know um i ended i ended up was able to lead him to the lord later um, but I ended up having some conversations with him and he's like, dude, like that was pretty harsh. And I was like, you almost shooting me was really harsh. <laughs> like it, it seems like, <laughs> and I just told him, I said, but the thing is, is I love you. Like, and I want to be able to have this open communication. And I'm thankful that you shared that with me because I want to revisit that. Like if it's perceived by you that I'm coming at you super harsh and it's not loving, then I absolutely want to take notice of that. I want to take personal introspection 
And I want to revisit that if you're feeling, you know, and, and always remembering there's a difference between, um, you know, um, condemnation and conviction, like, you know, cause so many people like, man, it's like, I'm like, are, cause there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you know, and when we come alongside, it can feel that way. I remember people coming alongside me and I'm like, man, it just feels like, I'm just getting battered again. You know, I'm just the scumbag that can never figure it out because I'm saved and I'm still operating in the drug world. And that internal battle, because God jealously desired the spirit he had within me was so intense that it was overwhelming. And then there would be people. um, I had tons of people that really come, came alongside me, genuinely loved and cared and didn't harm me. And I had other people that absolutely did harm me. You know, there were people that said, don't waste your time with that kid. He is a lost cause. And that was from within the body of Christ. That wasn't from unbelievers, you know, and that in itself did a great deal of harm, you know. Um, And then even my own situations and circumstances growing up, um, you know, with having a family member that was a pastor and then, you know, beating me and my brother unrecognizable Mm -hmm. after preaching. So there's so many different things that 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 standpoint that you're making can apply in so many different ways and for me engaging with people just as you do on a regular basis going hey this is a two-way conversation so if there's something that i'm sharing and you feel like I, there's a guy i mentor and he's like man like you like that that sounded really harsh and i was like well i'm really glad that you said that to me um and then was able to revisit not sit there and arch my back you know because discipleship is reciprocal like nobody's ever gotten to that place where they're completely discipled and so it 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 goes both ways and seeing every interaction as you know um a reciprocal interaction not just one way Mm -hmm. when i found it goes better if i begin the conversation too i i love to start by saying i am never going to reject you Mm -hmm. And, and I will say something like I have concerns. This is what I see. If, if this behavior continues, this is what I'm afraid your relationships will look like or what your life will look like. And then I like to say, this is what I would love to see for you. And Mm -hmm. I found just that piece of, I will not reject you starting with that. It it just Mm -hmm. seems to give them that, that place of, of safety. And I probably just uh, one more thing before we, we close, I think I'm, I'm often encouraged, like I I'll be afraid that I won't know what to say or that I'll say the wrong things. And one time I was about to visit someone that I knew like this, this individual, I knew it was going to be a difficult interaction and I was really anxious about it. And that Sunday before our pastor gave the sermon on the Canaanite woman, are you familiar Mm. with that story? Mm-hmm. And, and basically kind of to paraphrase briefly is she said to Jesus, but even, even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall beneath the master's table. And I, I felt like Christ was saying to me, all it takes is a crumb of Jesus. And I knew I mm-hmm. had Jesus, I had the crumb. So as long as I was present, Jesus was going to show up and that helped take the the pressure off of me, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's what I love in those moments, like going to his word is knowing that no matter what we're in, God's not sitting back on the throne going, I'm surprised or confused by this. And he's in every moment, the minutia, the stuff that we'll never notice going into it. God, you're in the details and I just want you to be glorified in the midst of all of this. And then it takes me to like, I, I love this scripture in Isaiah 41. And it says this, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you for I am your God. I will strengthen you and surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And it applies, I mean, everything. Yeah, that's such a great verse. Well, we could probably talk about this subject for hours because there's just so much to unpack. But to kind of encapsulate, I think what came out really clearly is just rely on Christ, recognize apart from him that, mm-hmm. that we're going to mess things up. We're still mm-hmm. living in grace, but then just rely on Christ. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for joining me today and talking with our listeners. Oh, I'm so thankful to have had this opportunity to be able to have this fellowship and hope that everybody's blessed who hears this message. And we'll put your a link to your ministry in our show notes so people can find you, support your ministry. I'm sure with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up and colder weather, I'm sure you have plenty of needs that you could that you would appreciate financial support, prayer support. Thank you to our listeners for listening. If you haven't already done so, I would encourage you to subscribe and then you won't miss a single episode. And make sure to share it with your friends and rate us. That really encourages us and helps others to find it. Until next time, may you live as someone who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.